Welcome to Christ Church Cathedral on this, the evening of Wednesday, September the 16th. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. O Lord, open thou our lips.
2 Kings. In the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which was the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the bodyguard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord, the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem. Every great house he burned down. All the army of the Chaldeans, who were with the captain of the guard, broke down the walls around Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried into exile the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who had defected to the king of Babylon, all the rest of the population. But the captain of the guard left some of the poorest people of the land to be vine dressers and tillers of the soil. The bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord, as well as the stands and the bronze sea that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces and carried the bronze to Babylon. They took away the pots, the shovels, the snuffers, the dishes for incense, and all the bronze vessels used in the temple service, as well as the firebrands and the basins. What was made of gold, the captain of the guard took away for the gold, and what was made of silver for the silver. As for the two pillars, the one sea and the stands, which Solomon had made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of all these vessels was beyond weighing. The height of the one pillar was 18 cubits, and on it was a bronze capital. The height of the capital was three cubits. Lattice work and pomegranates, all of bronze, were on the capital all around. The second pillar had the same with lattice work. The captain of the guard took the chief priest, Seraiah, the second priest, Zephaniah, and the three guardians of the threshold. From the city he took an officer who had been in command of the soldiers, and five men of the king's council who were found in the city. The secretary, who was the commander of the army, who mustered the people of the land, and sixty men of the people of the land who were found in the city. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them and brought them to the king of Babylon at Riblah. The king of Babylon struck them down and put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hanan. So Judah went into exile out of its land. He appointed Judea, son of Ahiakim, son of Shaphan, as governor over the people who not remained in the land of Judah, whom King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had left. Now when all the captains of the forces and their men heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Judea as governor, they came with their men to Judea at Mizpah, namely Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, Jehanah, son of Kareah, Sareah, son of Tanhumeth, the Netophathite, of Jezniah, son of the Mahshirite. Jezazon swore to them and their men, saying, Do not be afraid because of the Judean officials. Live in the land, serve the king of Babylon, and it shall be well with you. But in the seventh month, Ishmael, son of Nathanael, son of Elishama, of the royal family, came with ten men. They struck down Judea so that they he died, along with the Judeans and Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. Then all the people, high and low, and the captains of the forces, set out and went to Egypt, for they were afraid of the Chaldeans. In the 37th year of the exile of King Jehoiakim of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 27th day of the month, King Evil Marodach of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, released King Jehoiakim of Judah from prison. He spoke kindly to him, 
and gave him a seat above the other seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiakim put aside his prison clothes. Every day of his life he dined regularly in the king's presence. For his allowance, a regular allowance was given him by the king, a portion every day, as long as he lived. so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe, and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, for he, the one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Here ends the second lesson.
Let us confess the words of our faith as we say together, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you.
Almighty God, the giver of all good gifts, who of thy divine providence hath appointed divine orders in thy church. Give thy grace, we humbly beseech thee, to those who are to be called to any office and administration in the same, and so replenish them with the truth of thy doctrine, and endure them with innocency of life, that they may faithfully serve thee to the great glory of thy great name and to the benefit of the Holy Church. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all counsels and all works do proceed, Give unto your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee being be defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time and rest in quietness. Through the merits of Jesus Christ our Saviour, Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. In this evening's reading from the sixth chapter of St. John's Gospel, we enter into a landscape filled with anxious energy and conflict. Jesus has once again disturbed the people by his teachings, the result of which is a circling of the wagons. The Gospel refers to it as a murmuring. 
a murmuring that swells into an all-out dispute and ends in a dramatic parting of ways. Perhaps you have experienced this type of thing. Today I often see this phenomenon repeating itself on Facebook and social media, sometimes in quite insidious and devious ways. We are told that the people, the Judeans, were murmuring, murmurare. It's loud, boisterous, and animated. That's what murmurare in invicem means. They were groaning and uproarious. They took turns in vicem, one after the other. Now this dispute in itself doesn't seem to be all that problematic. Jesus replies to the murmuring with straightforward teaching. He gives direct answers. But notice that as Jesus engages with the crowd, they become increasingly unhinged. Virtue turns to vice. Quibbling becomes a conflict. Conflict results in great offense. And that, after this, many of his disciples drew back and no longer walked with Jesus. Even more astonishing is that not only do the Judeans turn their backs on Jesus and abandon him, they actively plot to destroy him. The Gospel attests to the imminent threat that followed Jesus wherever he went. And we are told in verse 7 that Jesus went about in Galilee, but he would not go about in Judea because the Judeans sought to kill him. Well, that went south quickly. Remember, the Judeans who are seeking to kill Jesus are the very same 5,000 who were witnesses and participants in the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and fish. It's a shocking timeline. On the evening of the previous day, which is the day of the Jewish Passover, the people who have followed Jesus into the country are starved. And as the story goes, Jesus effects a miracle, and they, the Judeans, are well fed. Scripture tells us that they hail him. This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world, and that they were about to take him by force to make him their king. The very next day, these same people, the Judeans, are arguing, fighting, taking offense, and plotting to kill the very same man. By the end of the day, Jesus no longer has 5,000 followers. He is left with 12. And of those 12, Jesus is sure that one of them is a traitor. Quote, Did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? Interesting. Does Jesus suspect that Judas is responsible for whipping up the Judeans and fueling the dispute, is Judas attempting to cancel Jesus? Is Judas gaslighting the Lord? I think the answer is yes. But why? Why would Judas be doing this the way he's doing it? The answer is found within the Christian spiritual tradition under one 
word. Acedia. Acedia. Where there is joy, there is tremendous sadness. Thomas Aquinas defends Acedia as a sadness about God. To quote Jean-Charles Nolte, Acedia causes sadness, a negative reaction to what ought to be our greatest happiness, participation in the life of God. Not surprising, the sadness about God can then lead to disgust in doing spiritual good. The tradition calls this tedium operandi, disgust with doing the good. Not just despising virtue, but choosing to act without virtue, without faith, hope, and love. And no doubt, today's Gospel reading follows a pattern consistent with acedia. The good news of the Gospel, that Jesus is the author of life, that he desires to bring life, longs to communicate life, works to promote life in its fullness, that work of divine mercy is active and it is present in the midst of the story. It's taking place right before the eyes of the Judeans. It ought to have resulted in joy, great, sustained joy. At first it did, but then something happens. A lurking darkness overshadows them their joy is turned to sadness, their sadness to disgust, their disgust to active rebellion. Let us turn on him. Let us destroy the very thing that ought to be the source of our greatest joy and consolation. And we do this. Like Judas, we are all guilty of this. We humans do this without exception. We do this when the gifts and talents or the good fortune of another person causes us to be insecure. And in response to the insecurity that we feel, we attempt to diminish and, like Judas, gaslight their accomplishments. If I'm not happy, they don't deserve to be happy. We do this when we encounter other perspectives and philosophies that are not our own, and so we attempt to silence or cancel them. I don't like your point of view. I don't like your art. You're canceled. We humans do this each and every time something that should cause us joy causes us to be sad, and we resort to the tedium operandi, disgust with doing the good. Jesus knows that Judas is conflicted and even a bit dangerous, but he keeps Judas close. Jesus does not cast Judas away to join the band of 5,000 deserters. And why Judas remains with Jesus when he could have voluntarily walked away, I suppose is known only to God. But such is the mystery of redemption and of the God who writes straight with crooked lines of a God who is consistent in all ways, a God who confronts the ills of acedia and the tedium operandi with unequivocal mercy, a mercy that I believe was offered to Judas even in the end. I will raise him up on the last day.
Today's gospel reminds us that God's redemptive mercy is the source of our joy and the end of our hope. A joy and a hope that can never be cancelled. O God, put us gladness upon the festival of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. Grant that we who have acknowledged the mystery of our redemption here on earth may finally rejoice in the fruits thereof in heaven. Through Jesus Christ our Almighty God, who has given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication unto thee, and has promised through thy well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, thou wilt be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, the desires and petitions of thy servants as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of thy truth, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. To you before the cross of day, Creator of all things we pray, that in your saving constancy, our God and Keeper you would be. Save 